Hello, is this working? Yes, it is. Oh my Hello, god. What's good? What's up? Welcome to the podcast. No way. <laughs> it's an honor to be featured, man. Yes. Dude, this is the, <laughs> the first interview I'm doing. You're the first person I'm interviewing. Uh, how does it feel to be the debut episode? Well, it's an <laughs> honor to be on the <laughs> podcast. Oh, no, we're um, not calling it that. <laughs> that's what I'm calling it. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, no, I'm excited. Let's see how this goes. I've always like been super like drawn to podcasts. I love them. And I get to be on one, so that's exciting. I love talking. Yeah. It's a I super interesting form of media because you can kind of consume it passively, you know, play it in the background while you're driving to work. Um, right. or just working out I also just feel like it's not a lot of like nonsense pollution that's found a lot in like music or songs not to say that all songs are like that but I think a lot of the time when we're listening to music um, it, it just sits subconsciously in our mind and we're not consciously consuming it um, and with podcasts it's easier to digest what's going on and I appreciate that so much about this form of media but yeah that's just a thought <laughs> And it's also kind of in line with uh, what you do. So why don't you go ahead and give all of our listeners a brief <laughs> introduction <laughs> to who I you do? are and what you do what do I do? Um, how you define well, yourself. Um, that's interesting. I'm not going to read my bio because that's weird. But um, I'm a writer. Uh, I specialize in spoken word poetry. Um, I'm currently the DC Poet Laureate, which is kind of exciting. Um I do a lot of competitions. I just came back from the National Young Arts Foundation Week, and I met amazing people like Lemon Anderson there. Um, yeah, and like I just do this full time. I travel all the United States and perform places. So, and how old are you? I'm 18 years old. <laughs> 18 year old traveling the world, doing spoken word poetry and writing and competing. How did you get into this? How did I, get... bro? Everyone asks me this question, but. Um, I wish I could like re re uh, go back in time and like rewrite this for myself. Um, I hated reading when I was younger. I hated writing when I was younger. I was not that student at all. Um, I didn't care. I was I loved my iPad. <laughs> but um, as time went on, you know, life happens. And I was like in the eighth grade, and my teacher was like, my teacher's like, I gotta give her the shout out. She was like, Marjan, there's this competition called Muslim Interest Classic Tournament, Mist. I'm sure all the Muslim hobies know about it by now. Listen, <laughs> I didn't know about Mist until last year, okay? Bro, that's kind of lame. You're fake Muslim. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm gonna say. A whole grown man. <laughs> it's a ritual. Um, nah, and, and she kind of just like pushed me really hard to do it. And so she signed me up for spoken word, and I had no idea what I wanted to write about. Um, and so I, I honestly was, like, thinking about writing the, the cookie-cutter perfect, like, poem or whatever. Um, but that just – I just wasn't having it. Like, I tried it out. It didn't work. Um, I was having, like, crazy episodes of, like, depression and, like, panic attacks. And, and a lot of it was going on at that time, just, like, in life in general. Um, and lots of trauma, unfortunately. But one day I just mustered up the courage and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to write about this. I'm going to journal and document my growth and experience and then I got to the competition, and um, the I prepared a completely different piece. But I got I got up and I just pulled out my my paper, and I just read like the journals that I had written. Um, and then somehow the judges really liked my poem. They were like, "Congratulations, you won first place," which was like really surreal, just because 
there was like 250 people competing in spoken word that year oh my god it was like my first time doing it and I absolutely I, I did I literally I was not a good writer <laughs> I, I just cried um but yeah and then and then I had the opportunity to to read it um in front of like the entire tournament um at, at, at the final stage and afterwards a lot of like young girls came up to me and, and the poem was about like sexual trauma and sexual assault um and, and a lot of young like Muslim girls like my age came up to me and were like thank you for giving like a voice to my trauma and like I feel heard and like I appreciate that um and that kind of just like changed my world because you know like especially in Muslim com- communities like that's not a conversation that we have it's not it's not anything we talk about um, and, and it's shoved to the back of the closet, you know, there's no resources available. Um, and I, I was nervous. I was like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I thought I was just going to read it because I didn't have anything else to read and that'd be it. But they made me like read it in front of people. Um, and, and yeah, it was like, it was almost like an eye opening moment of like, wow, I thought I was alone. That I was wrong too. I thought the Muslim community and all the aunties would like hunt me down and kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong too. And, and people were very like, appreciative of it and and really supported me through that so yeah and that has just kept me that that really just fueled it and and, you know getting recognized especially as an artist is a really big deal just because it's like wow people are appreciating the work that I'm putting in the universe um and and even that like small competition um being regional made up by a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing (laughs) um I don't know to like to feel like someone's appreciating you and telling you to hey keep going like I support you in this journey that you have really meant a lot so and so was that your was that your first time performing or have you had any did you you have an experience before that missed or how was that that was literally like my first time (laughs) like when I tell you I had a panic attack the entire time I did I was shaking like I was flashing hot like my hijab was soaked in like tears and sweat (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing Um, but yeah it was it was really odd super like unprepared and last minute but I think that also like gives a testimony to how people want to support those who are truthful um and 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 how willing young people are to like fully embrace someone's narrative and help them pursue what their heart desires and that's really interesting especially like in the Muslim community just because you know you grow up in a household and everyone's like no doctor lawyer whatever Mm -hmm. um and then you have like this new generation of people who are like so open to everything and just want to see more like Muslim comedians and Muslim TV anchors and and Muslim dancers, you know. While so, still being doctors and lawyers and engineers on the side, mind you, because we haven't fully made the transition yet. I know. <laughs> myself myself is guilty there. of that. <laughs> yeah. Muslim podcaster, but with a full time job. You know what I mean? And it's a it's it's, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, what is kind of, what has been your personal experience with any sort of pushback from your community and family oh, and friends God. and stuff? That's so wild. I think, you know, applying to like colleges now and whatnot, um, when, <laughs> oh, I remember like a couple months ago, if you told me that Marjan would be applying for creative writing or Marjan would be applying as an arts <laughs> major and not a doctor, I would have slapped you upside your face and said, I am too realistic for that shit. But yeah, I oh, so that's interesting. So that, like, you know, you were kind of given that narrative growing up that, like, it's not realistic to pursue art. Absolutely. And and I was writing about it this morning, just like, you know, so often, especially regardless if you're Muslim or not, like a lot of people associate failure with art um, and, and the starving artist narrative, you know. 
um, as if like now there isn't social media to be consuming the work that you're producing, but that's another conversation. Um, no, but yeah, and and you don't really ever see yourself as an artist um, until you sit down and have a conversation with yourself and you're like, wait, am I actually like someone who's trying to create for the rest of my life for the sake of public enjoyment? Whoa. <laughs> and, Whoa. <laughs> and when that happens, like, it, it puts like a shift in you. I know that when that happened for me, like the way that I, that, that I like managed um, my days and my schedules became, became like very cramped with mm-hmm. um, time to like flex my artist muscle brain, you know? And mm-hmm. also this, I think that this is so overlooked, but there is no such thing as taking a break in artistry just because the muscle in your brain um, that produces that art, I don't care how talented you are. If you are not constantly working it out, even if you take a three like month break, when you come back to that muscle, it will be weak and it wants you to keep building and growing, you know? Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh yeah. So becoming an artist um yeah so that transition was very very odd and I and I remember like um I'm not very close to my parents but I told my mom like mom um I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna major in English or I'm gonna do like creative writing or I want to be like a full-time spoken word poet what if I don't even go to school and I just tore and sell my book you know and then she kind of like looked at me she was like um okay so you're gonna double major in medicine and English oh man <laughs> mom I never said I was doing medicine <laughs> and she's like no no you know like like empath empath empathetic doctors are the best kind of doctors and you read so it'll work and I'm like oh my god she does not get it I and even with all the traction me. and attention and that you've gotten through your work does that still not legitimize it in front of your parents Oh my god. I I think I think it definitely has. Um especially when my documentary was being filmed and and they came down. Um I, I was like telling my mom like hey mom people are going to come to our house and can you cook them food? You know, they're going to be she's like who's coming to our house? I'm like oh these people making a documentary about me. And then she's like who is this like your friends from school? I'm like no. There there's like a company called Now This News. They're like kind of popular on like the internet. They're going to come make a documentary on me. She was like, what the fuck is she talking about? And they came. And then she had, like, this weird moment where she pulled me aside. And she's like, Marjan, like, like these people are making a doc. Are you, 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 you want to be famous? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, since then, she kind of has, like, eased up and, and been less, like, uh, has, has thrown less negative energy my way when I go out to perform and when I travel to to do a couple gigs. But mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the more that I guess they see it happening in front of them and like an award or like a certain scholarship I get or like something, they, they get a little bit more comfortable in it. I think a lot of it comes from a place of fear and like, oh, my daughter is not going to be able to s- support herself and she has to rely on some stupid man like we did in Afghanistan and da 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 da. And I also think I, like, overlooked how often um, we, like, categorize our parents into, like, these fearful and, like, like wanting to, to delay our growth. But I, I think it really comes from a place of worry and love when they have those concerns and a lack of understanding. Um, and it's definitely, like, our, our responsibility to inform them um, and to, to show them the gateways in which we can make art a career. Um, so I don't know. You know? Yeah, I mean, and to that, I'd like to say that now is the best time ever to try to make a career off of art, right? We have a whole generation of Instagram poets 
that are coming up and you know making some solid money if not a full-time income selling their art in a way that's like much more scalable than it was back in the day you don't need like a book deal anymore you can just go straight to amazon and publish through them and there's all these new options for you to really like spread your art regardless of whether it's poetry or uh you know like painting or whatever it is there's just or like TikToks. The <laughs> or tiktoks right <laughs> the means of distribution are so vast and so easy to access now one of the things that i encounter a lot with a lot of other creatives that are also muslim or like kind of from the same kind of background uh, is that they feel like there's more pressure on them to succeed quicker due to the fact that they have to prove to, you know, the people who raised them, you know, their parents or their family, that this is mm-hmm. a real thing. And how do you think that's affected you, if at all? Well, um, I, I kind of, uh, I, I feel a bit stuck with that question just because, I don't think I have lived enough years to feel like my art has been in a gutter and hasn't been recognized, um, especially like the the way in which. So sorry, let me backtrack. Let me sidetrack a little bit. Um, Idris Goodwin says that every artist has an artist gene, um, and they love sharing and they love creating, and and it depends on which. Uh, like it, the story is really about when they discover that gene, right? So when people ask, how'd you get into writing or, or artistry? You tell the story of when you discovered your gene. Um, and, and the way that I discovered my gene was through a competition that was like immediately rewarding. And uh, so gotcha, gotcha. it's a little bit difficult to say like, oh, well, like I, I haven't succeeded at all. And I'm just, I'm, I'm living on the side and, and trying to get someone to say this is good. Um, but I definitely have felt a lot of pressure to to publish my book as soon as possible and, and to get on the big boy TV shows and, and do the best interviews and like get on the radio show and perform at the Kennedy Center and the White House and da, 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 as soon as possible, just because I want to keep that going. Um, and I know one day it's going to like slow down or it's going to crash or something's going to happen and needs rebuilding. Um, but the, the, the pressure that comes from, especially like a Muslim community wanting you so badly to succeed and is telling you like, oh, you have to make this happen. Come on. Like, I want to see you on more flyers and like this hijabi girl and like, da, 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 um, has definitely put a really big, like weird shadow, um, following me around wherever I go, trying to make multiple communities happy at one time. Mm-hmm. That's something super interesting. Yeah. You're not going to be able to satisfy everyone <laughs> and if you try and i can really satisfy anyone uh, if you try to say you know try to serve all those audiences that's super interesting there's another thing that you touched on that i kind of wanted to dig more deeply into and that's one of the things you said about how you noticed like that this was something you wanted to do and then you started kind of building your life around it so walk us through what that looks like what does your day-to-day look like how has your lifestyle changed ever since you got into this Definitely. Um, my day-to-day lifestyle, what does it look like? Well, I wake up and I don't touch my phone for the first hour of my day just because um, I, I don't think anxiety is a great way to start the day. Um, and I, I get up, I make my bed and I sit down and I draw a mind map of what my day is going to look like. Um, and so... Like, usually what I've started to do is the first thing I do when I wake up is right just because Vincent Van Gogh and I hate to quote him because I'm nothing to Vincent Van Gogh but 
um he would literally sleep in like 30 minute like increments and then just like paint off of that and then when he feels like all right now I don't feel creative enough I'm gonna go back to bed and 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 then and then wait until I wake up um so yeah so the first thing I do is like try to create um and then I'll like do some emails afterwards and later on the day when I've like shifted away from the creation I'll go back and like an editing editing mind space um and, like go through my work and and figure out how certain lines are going to be performed um and then like in between I'll do like other responsibilities that I have to complete um but keeping I would say this for any creative, regardless of what field you're in, um, surrounding yourself with like multiple mediums of art is like extremely important when wanting to seek inspiration and like uncovering interdisciplinary arts, um, including your art form is definitely like a really big part. So I spent a couple hours just doing that. Um, and it goes back to the idea of like flexing that like that art muscle in your brain um, and just constantly pushing it to its limits and then like saying, OK, I can do one more poem, even if it's really bad. I can do one more. Um, and just like trying to push out, but knowing like the line between exhaustion and like ambition mm-hmm. um, is really important. So I guess that's a little bit of what my day would look like when I'm in the writing headspace. OK, cool. And so. Let's talk quantity versus quality. How much are you writing? Uh, how much do you keep? How much do you throw away? Where is that balance? And how do you, do you kind of find that? Uh, we're, oh, my God. Quality versus <laughs> quantity. You know, something that I think artists have a really difficult time um, coming to terms with is we want every single thing that touches our canvas to be perfect (laughs) and we barely give room um for for any mistakes um but then I look at dancers right and dancers have warm-ups and dancers move their body to figure out like what feels good in them and like what their style is and they give that room for creative expression to take place um and, and I honestly think the same thing comes for writing and any other form of art. Like someone has to give themselves the space to make mistakes, to do too much, um, and then pick out like the little things that really meant a lot to you and you feel like are golden lines. Um, and so when it comes to writing, I definitely overwrite. Um, and I'm okay with that because I'm not sending my writing the raw draft to everyone and from the three pages that I write sometimes only like half a page looks good and I just cut out the rest and I put in a different document and work on there like and that's that (laughs) so I I think that the the draft and revision process um definitely sifts out a lot but when it comes to quality um I I think that something I have stressed enough is that creatives should have the space to work on their crafts without wanting to produce for the 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 people around them right Mm -hmm. because artistry is not about the product that's being shown to others but rather the process in which it's produced and if your process takes a couple months to get down and then you show it to everyone so long as you're working hard as shit in that that's fine if it takes you 10 days to pump out something and you feel very content you're like this is the best I can do and that's fine as well so that's, I think, I think quality versus quantity. Um, it really does come down to level of comfortability, experience, and how much you're willing to put into the work. And yeah, that's something that's actually super important because it's, uh, it's, it's across all art forms. It's not just poetry, right? Um, 
and yeah. I think and even beyond art too uh a lot of things people are uh, a lot a lot one of the things that I like to address and tell people close to me is that like they shouldn't be afraid to fail um <laughs> I am the embodiment of failed hobbies you know trying things until I like them <laughs> right? <laughs> you know this very well more than anyone <laughs> trying uh, things until I find I something music, I like one day I'm a rapper one day I'm spoken word yeah Literally. i know yeah I know. you know and i think it's okay right and that's one thing i want to make sure that if anyone's listening to this and they made it this far 20 minutes in that <laughs> <laughs> they should know that it's okay yeah definitely um I, I think also as creatives like you've heard this a million times you're going to hear it a million one times right now we are our worst critics right and which is not honestly a bad thing because it keeps you competitive with yourself. It keeps you adventurous. You humble. It. it keeps you motivated. It keeps you humble as well, definitely. I think that's why creators are some of the most like humble people. Um, but also, it's like it's it's fucking okay to throw away things you don't like. It's fucking okay to like accidentally trip on your face during your performance. <laughs> like it's okay. I'm I'm serious. Like I kid you not, there was one time where my stand literally broke like on my leg like right in front of me while I was performing on stage. And I kind of just like looked at it, laughed and was like, alright guys, I guess we're doing the next piece. <laughs> you know, like it's okay it's okay to fail and, and for people to witness that too. Um it, it only makes us human and, and we come from the basis of forgetfulness. So yeah. Wow. Okay, so let's get to something a little more practical. What is one thing that someone who's interested in trying out spoken word or trying out poetry, what is one thing that they can do today? Dude, An exercise. just <laughs> fucking do it. Just do it. Just fucking read in front of your camera. Send it to someone and be like, hey, I just did a spoken word. Listen to it. You know, like, just fucking do it, like, right now. Like, pause this and do it, you know? <laughs> or or just, I don't care what you're doing. Go to a venue where you're never going to see any of these human beings again. You don't know any of these people. Just read your poem and get off the stage. And honestly, if it was bad, no one's going to remember it. People only remember things that really move them, you know? Like, there's literally so much room to make mistakes. And that's how every single thing starts, right? The hardest part of starting any process is beginning. It's the first step that you take. And it feels like it's taking 10 years, but you do it. And then from there, it slowly eases into place. And then you get the mentors. And then you get the, the tips that you need. And then you get feedback from the audience. And then you just keep growing and nourishing. And you blossom into this beautiful thing that you didn't know you could be. Wow. That's amazing. It, no, that's, that, and that's extremely actionable. If someone's listening this far and they still haven't started yet, then <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Uh, let's talk more about mentors. Who, who's been the biggest influence for you? Who's a mentor that you had earlier on? I know you mentioned your teacher. Um, who else? Honestly, my teacher was the pushing factor that got me there. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, a lot of it felt a little bit independent. But on the times I did, like, you know, I, I don't think I've had, like, a consistent mentor that's looked over my work all the time and, and told me to improve on things. Um, but even when I did not have those people to show my work to and feel like, quote unquote, like to feel like someone's proud of me, 
um, I still wrote, even if it was bullshit. And then when I went, when I would come across people um, at open mics, or I would talk to the host at Bless Boys and Poets, or I would find some English teacher randomly, or I'd go to a professor at the university near my house, you know, and like ask them, then they'd be able to give me their advice um, and, and help me grow and mold like my craft from there. Um, aside from that, being on the DC Slam team for the past two years, over the summer has been a really wonderful thing because you get like multiple times a week in-depth sessions with your coach um, and they kind of just like break your work apart and tell you this is for slam, this is for writing, you know, and separate those two. And I think people really do overlook the resources that are available in their communities because if someone is an artist, they want so badly to also pass on their knowledge to other people. Mm. Um, and, and if you know an artist that that specializes in your art form that you want to pursue like that is someone you can feel comfortable reaching out to and asking for a bit of advice you know um having a phone call on the phone hey can we get coffee one day or oh I want to show you this I'm super like I I admire the hell out of your work and I think that you could totally add a special element to to this draft that I have um that's what I would say when it comes to mentors and has there ever been like a time where inside of your own community you felt like you couldn't find someone to help you out with something oh my god dude yeah <laughs> of course and, and another thing about artistry like it's so independent too it's it's a communal effort right because you you adapt processes from those around you and and the people who specialize in the art form you ask about them and, and you get their advice and their tips and you start to apply it but at the end of the day like it's your narrative right like you are independent in that storytelling um in whatever form you do it in um and and i think that comes to art but also in regards to other topics and issues you know like wanting to find resources as i mentioned earlier for like trauma it's not easy especially with um quote-unquote like religious um, communities that don't want to have those conversations, um, wanting to feel supported by people who have never seen success in the field that you're entering, um, or, or, or wanting to find a mentor in like your immediate communities. Like it's not easy. Um, but I think that's the thing about artistry that it really does build like a, re- a resilient bone in your body. And you're like, I don't give a frick. Like I'm in this for life and this is the thing I'm going to be doing because it feels fulfilling and I don't want to do IT. I don't want to check. Like, Rude. I don't want to be a nurse and change diapers, you know, like it, it is what it is. Yeah. And it's actually, and, and it's surprising to even hear about pushback specifically within poetry from the Muslim community because, I mean, it is one of the most, quote-unquote, Islamic art forms, right? Uh, Definitely. And, that's, mm-hmm. and maybe it's, it's, it's kind of become a, like a forgotten art, right, amongst our own communities, mm-hmm. right? Because of the focus, the focus on like, oh, like, like nobody brings up poet in the conversation of, of what uh, Muslim kids should be or historian, like even though these are things that Muslims traditionally were, you know, mathematicians and historians and poets. Um, so it's super interesting that we've almost kind of forgotten about it, right? And we've used the guise of like the religious communities, but it's really kind of more of a cultural thing, right? People are just afraid to see their kids struggle, mm. you know? Of course. And, and, I, and I say this because I was at an event recently um, and there was like an open mic event at a, at a mosque and Tarek Tour, he said this thing behind the mic that was like, oh my God, yes. He was like, it's time to bring the poet back into the mosque. 
Like we need to be paying these artists, especially these poets who are coming and preaching and, 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 and incorporating like their faith into their work and bringing it out to the world. It's a form of dawah, like it is. Um, even if you're wearing a hijab and reading a poem, like that in and of itself is dawah. It's like, all right, this is that. I'm, I'm a Muslim girl, I have a voice, listen to me. Um, and I, I, just, I just think that's, that's so fascinating that, that mosques are so like reluctant to support um, that medium of artistry or, or that profession just because like you look at the Quran and you're blown away like wow this is so freaking poetic, poetic you know like it's poetry um, you, look at, you look at the way you listen to a sheikh it's like you're engaged like you're listening to a slam poem like, you know like even your mom scolding you a little bit it's poetic <laughs> every, every language it comes out of um, and it's a shame really uh, and, and I think that, that people are, are so dead set on wanting like their communities to fit into a box um what the muslim community looks like can fit into a box but because we're such a beautiful population of people from millions of different places and millions of different stories and minds and hearts and souls like it's bound to look different into every mosque you enter um and, and the people that occupy that mosque and i i think it's time to have the conversation and bring art into the spiritual space Ooh, man. bars no i agree it's super important. Um, have you seen anyone reach out to you from within like the various Muslim communities or how has that been so far? What has your experience with that been? Um, reaching out in regards to mentorship, I've had a couple people reach out to me and I'm always more than happy to like say, what's up? Let me read your work. Let me support you. Um, just because people are so talented, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, when it comes to like, Oh my God, you want to know something that really just ticked my, like, oh, grinded my gears. So I don't, you know, like, I don't say this to, to, to build like a, a name for myself almost, but like, I have a resume that if you read it, you'd be like, okay, this person is probably a little bit, like a little good at spoken word, right? Mm -hmm. She probably knows what she's doing when she's writing words or like performing or something, um, and I remember Islamic Relief, um, there was someone who was with Islamic Relief, and they, oh, I just name dropped. Oops, I didn't mean to name drop. Uh-oh. Um, but I guys know the name. Oh, well. So there was someone um, who wanted me to read uh, a iftar, right, yeah. a fundraiser. Um, and she had reached out to the organizer, and the organizer um, was like, Oh, sorry. Uh, we don't want like women to be to be reciting anything, especially like poetry, just because like all the uncles are gonna get mad and and feel like they're violating, um, like she's violating the space. And when I tell you, I was so shook. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like, unfortunate that that's like, and you know what's crazy is that what that organizer said is the unfortunate truth, right? It's that like it's not really Islamic Relief's fault. It's just the fault of the community of the fact that like they would feel uncomfortable, you know what I mean? But you know what I say to that? I say that if these are the people, like if, if Islamic Relief is an organizer that brings the Muslim community together, they have every opportunity to introduce new mediums into the work and get people comfortable. Ooh, that's an interesting take. And so it's like, oh, I'm sorry that you are catering to people's comfortability. Do you think change happens that way, Mr., you know, like, this organization that wants to make so much change yeah change comes with uncomfortability it's wanting to pull people's strings and make them feel like they've never felt before that's that's how change starts that's the very beginning that's the hardest thing to do and if you have an opportunity to make people uncomfortable in a positive and healthy way you better take it that's what i'm gonna say so 
This makes two sense. No, that's good. And I mean, listen, your opinion is 100% valid and it's important. And I'm glad you have a space to... I mean, unfortunately, we name dropped, but it's okay. I'm glad you have a space where you can really express. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't mean to do that. Um, please forgive me, AR. AR USA didn't mean listen, to, but got to call you out sometimes on your BS. Listen, I don't know. Listen, crit- criticism. We, we accept constructive criticism. Nothing, nothing against the org. Not against the org. The org has done amazing things internationally, I will say that. Yeah. Like, I appreciate it. I volunteered with them, like, a million gajillion times. I always go out to, like, be a part of the community but you know some things you can you can change and this and this goes for all kind of muslim institutions that have kind of its own pull you know and and i mean that's one thing i understand too is that like you know i may not be able to do things at that scale but at my scale i still have a responsibility to give people like you a platform right you know what i mean so we're trying out here. We're trying to make a small difference in the Muslim community. Definitely. And that's what I mean by, like, the platforming and being able to use it, like, to the best of its abilities. And, and you willing to do that and you willing to take that step knowing that, okay, you have a following. Like, people will be listening. And, and this is what's changing and molding people's minds is, is the very, like, basis of change. Um, and it's awesome that you're willing to do that and take that forth. I'm trying out here. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to keep these kind of, you know, in the 30-minute range. So, do you have any closing words for our I listeners? I do not have any closing words. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, words revolutionize the soul. Um, they get people to start thinking. And I recommend that every single human being works on their vocabulary, <laughs> um, learns communication skills, and, and continues to to have a presence in every space that they enter. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'll thank say. you so much for hopping on the first podcast interview. Uh, hopefully, this will be a history-making day. <laughs> and you're always <laughs> welcome to join whenever you want. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, y'all can follow me on the gram at M-A-R-J-A-A-N-X Poetry. Um, you can get my book online at Marjan X Poetry, the same thing I just mentioned, dot com. Um, and yeah, feel free to always reach out to me with any questions that y'all have. I love I love interacting with people over the internet. Awesome. So. And I will go ahead and make sure I drop links to all that in the podcast description. Thank you all for giving us your ear for the better part of 30 minutes. Uh, and I will catch you all in the next episode. Later. Word. Peace. Assalamu alaikum.